everyone! First of all, thank you so much for coming back to Ideal Remake for Season 6. I got a lot of fun episodes already in the can that I'm so excited to share with you. But I wanted to break into this first episode before everything got started because I have to offer a little bit of a clarification. At the time of recording this, we ended up casting the actor Lance Reddick in one of the roles. I'm not going to tell you which one, you still have to listen to the episode. But he hadn't passed away yet. And so I felt it was important to acknowledge the fact that the world tragically lost an incredibly talented actor. So it seemed weird to release the episode where we go with him as our choice and not comment on it. It's really sad, and uh, hopefully I never need to do this again. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy season six. And now, for the remake of The Rock. So hit that music. Dueling Genre. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And we're back for season six after a hiatus just to get started for you. And you may have thought we weren't ready to kill. I mean podcast but we're warming up so chris is the rock a movie that has been will be or should be remade uh it has not been it i kind of don't think it will be i don't know if it should be but it'll be a lot of fun to talk about doing it (laughs) yeah this is a weird instance where genuinely this might not fall into any of the categories so therefore it must be a will be because Mm. i don't think it should be and it definitely has not been so we just kind of have to fun- function under the assumption that it probably will be eventually. Yeah, yeah. Maybe decades from now, uh, a- after Michael Bay's terrible drone accident, he's got to like, you know, recoup some sort of costs or something and get some 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 sort of money somehow. And it's like, well, there's always money in the banana stand of remaking The Rock. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, he made it for a studio. So Michael Bay doesn't have to be involved. It's just yeah. some other whoever. Rockheimer. Sure. That's not who I went with, but that's fine. But hey, Chris, it's been a year and a half since you've been on the show, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, I am Chris O'Connor of the uh, Dueling Genre Podcast Network of Podcasters. Uh, You might have heard me on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, which uh, we haven't really talked in a minute. Didn't you just have a new episode? We did just have a new episode to talk about the trailer for the uh, the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that good old uh, Seth Rogen is putting out. Uh, it should be out in August. And uh, there's a good chance that uh, me and the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute crew will, will get together to talk about that. Probably not a minute at a time because, you know, that's a that's a big commitment. You mean the TMN team? Yeah. Ha! Ah! Well done. I, can't, I can't be the first person who said that. Well, I'm sure it's been said in some other context about some other uh, group of, uh, you know, maybe about the turtles themselves. But uh, it's the first I've heard it, and I appreciate it. Wonderful. The TMN team. Um, so you've previously been on to remake uh, Logan's Run and High Spirits. Yes. Two equally well-known <laughs> movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – Logan's Road, I think, uh, is well known uh, to Generation X and like yes. to writers 
and like you know just just older people and people who pay attention to science fiction i think know logan's run but no, very few people knew high spirits it, what's crazy <laughs> is that like in the intervening time i've had more cause to bring up the movie high spirits than i have had to bring up logan's run yeah <laughs> like occasionally you need to say uh uh and fish from the sea but beyond <laughs> that sometimes people just need to know that high spirits exist so they can go out of their way to go get it yeah and it's not like you have to go very har- far you know no just is it still free to- on youtube pretty sure <laughs> almost certainly <laughs> sorry <Good>. stars <laughs> yeah sorry liam neeson <laughs> Daryl Hannah, oh, no. Gutenberg, Hanna. Steve, yeah, Steve Gutenberg, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great cast and a Beverly, fine movie. D'Angelo, Diabo. Di- mm, anyway, the important yeah. thing is that it exists. It does exist. But we're not here to talk about uh, perennial classic yeah. high spirits today. We're here to talk about the Rock. Actual classic. <laughs> True, Chris. Do you remember <laughs> the first time you saw the Rock? I am. I'm not certain what the. Fr- I it had to be a rental because uh, this came out in '96. I was 14. There's no way my parents took me to see an R-rated movie in theaters. Do you do you happen to have uh, like the exact release time? Like a, no, but a I handy. Get it. Uh, I I'm I'm almost certain I didn't see this in theaters, and we must have rented it. I was old enough uh, at 14 that like we would go to bo- Blockbuster, and it's okay if I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this movie because I, I remember like watching. Wait, did Con Air come before The Rock? Uh, this after? came out June seventh, nineteen ninety six. Con Air is nineteen ninety seven, so Con Air. Oh, is okay. Like so this was later. first. Yeah. All right, but yeah, I, I I can't recall the specifics. Like you know, I, I can't remember what couch I was sitting on or who made the popcorn, but I know you know this was this was a blockbuster night, yeah. uh, and it was amazing. And it came out the day after I turned eight years old. <laughs> so you didn't see it in theaters either no i did not i actually didn't <laughs> see it until i moved to la so i saw it for the first time five six years ago i've oh, mentioned wow. this before on the show but like i have my friend cam does like a movie nights of movies sam hasn't seen yeah and so yeah. we watched the rock and then like two years later on another movie nights of movies sam hasn't seen someone described this movie to me and i was like i haven't <laughs> seen that and so then we watched the rock again and five <laughs> minutes into the movie i was like Oh, I yes, think I've I watched this movie with you before, <laughs> but we're not going to stop it now. Oh, no. Not that memorable, huh? All right. <laughs> well, not based on the description, because I'm like... Oh, like, okay. Like, oh, yeah, they have to break into Alcatraz. I'm like, I've never seen a movie about breaking into Alcatraz, just because like that's not really... <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not really what the movie's about. It's just kind of like the setting that inspires the name. Yeah, but, yeah. But like, the Alcatraz of it all... I mean, I guess because they just give like, a, it's really difficult. It, it was really difficult to break out of. It must be really difficult to break into. Not necessarily a true statement. <laughs> no, like by <laughs> definition, not. <laughs> but whatever, that's what we're working with. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so f- the third time I saw this movie was for this episode. All right. And it it's still great. It's still very fun. Yeah, it is a it is a damn roller coaster. Like, there's so many amazing people in this movie. One of them's even a woman. <laughs> Two. There's a second. <laughs> oh yeah, the You're daughter making... is the daughter really... and her friend are in there barely. No, his girlfriend. Yeah, the girlfriend, his daughter, the daughter's friend. Who else am I missing? No, but that's two. You said one, and I said yeah. there's a second one. 
Yes. Well, uh, yes. Uh, uh, John Patrick Mason, like, I forgot about the daughter. I remembered the girlfriend. I tell you what, I haven't watched this movie in a long time. When I was a kid, I watched this a lot. I know, and this was one of the first DVDs that I bought. So I watched it a lot in like high school and in college. But I haven't watched it in like 20 years uh, or 15, 20 years, something like that. And so I was misremembering it. And I, in my head, thought there was just one woman and that <laughs> and, and that his girlfriend was also Mason's daughter and it was a big coincidence it was like and watching it I was like oh wait no it, that's not it can't be right and of course it's not the case because that, that would have been, been too much that would have been no that would not be it would have strained credulity just a bit too much yeah that that would have been a bit yeah absolutely not that would have been too crazy cute. too cute by half yeah, but it's like, ah, same brunette white ladies. But, like, I could totally see, like, as a child, like, you're like, oh, yeah, these are the same people. I'm not really paying attention. They don't matter to the plot. Anyway, let's go. Explode no things. Yeah, she she just ridiculously came to San Francisco despite him being like, no, don't come here. <laughs> right. I mean, he didn't say why don't come here. It was like, no, did you promise this. You ran out on us getting engaged. I'm going to freaking show up. <laughs> It's uh, it's really uh, something. I mean, anyway. I think we, we we need to give her more to do. Like uh, Carla Pestalozzi needs, uh, <laughs> and I did not bother recasting uh, Mason's daughter <laughs> at all. Didn't even bother. Uh, well, I I did, but I mean, Good. you know, doesn't matter. It'll be all yours. Um, okay. But like <laughs> this movie, as it is, like the basic summary of this movie is that General Hummel and his our, uh military friends. Uh, steal the like most dangerous chemical biological agent that there is, and then they hold up and take uh, hostages at Alcatraz and threaten to fire it in missiles at San Francisco unless the government pays them money because the government's been taking them for granted for years. And so instead of paying them the money, the government hires chemical guy <laughs> Stanley Goodspeed and the only person to ever break out of Alcatraz john patrick mason to lead a team to break into alcatraz so that they can disarm the missiles and save the day okay and is that right did i miss anything well yeah yeah you kind of like sanded over some some motivations and some desires there but yeah well please That's, tell me about these well, motivations the, and desires the, the generals his his noble sort of what he was going for is not just the money for the men who were committing this heinous uh this heinous crime with him was that the government had to acknowledge the sort of black ops like uh casualties that they've lost uh in in conflicts that they wouldn't acknowledge that's right and pay like what's owed to the families uh, of these veterans who died overseas, like in shadow wars that they wouldn't admit to. So That's it's like, right. you know, you've got to pay the, the, the survivor benefits to literally hundreds of people who are otherwise in miserable poverty. Yes, true. I, I'd forgotten that very quickly uh, brought up point, but it's incredibly important, especially considering what I want to do with this movie. Yeah. But yeah, that is... So theoretically, like, we go into the movie with the, ex like, there's not a true villain because it's just these people who've been taken advantage of uh, for so long and now they're finally fighting back. And we don't get to a true villain until the end of the movie when some <sighs> militaries are guy like, no, we're mercenaries now. Let's kill San Francisco. It's like, and it's like yeah, man, I'm, I went all the way, man. Yeah. <laughs> Punisher skull and everything. Yeah. Uh. Uh, 
There's, yeah. there's a lot more meat to chew on nowadays than there, than there was in 96. I mean, granted, 96 was just a couple of years after the Oklahoma City bombing. So there was sort of that that to, to sort of build off of. But it's only gotten worse. That's exactly it. Like, it has only gotten worse. Like, if, if anything, that makes The Rock something worth revisiting because – like the exact thing that was being brought up of like these these veterans are being completely screwed over by the government, some of whom are just legends. Literally, they say in the movie that this man is a legend and the, like just being thrown away by the government. And like, it's not gotten better. Mil- like military benefits get slashed. There, there are so many people who are homeless who are former military and that's exactly the sort of fun note that I want to start season six of Ideal Remake on. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Oh boy. But yeah, like it's it's still real and true. Yeah. Yeah. We've had decades of warfare to to sort of lay the groundwork for this, depending upon how we how we do the movie and handle the problem of the rock itself. Right. Plus, it's like the United States is known for its bloated military budget, but almost none of that goes to the actual veterans. Yeah, not enough. It just goes to military contractors who make more weapons than we're capable of using. Yeah, yeah. It goes to a lot (laughs) of that. It goes to a lot of infrastructure. a A lot of the contractors aren't actually building weapons. A lot of the contractors are just driving trucks and getting paid way too much to do that part. Uh, yeah, it's it's a complex – it is a complex economic uh, ecosystem of just nonsense. But yeah, and we've had – you know, since the uh, – since – you know, it's interesting in 96, like they had to reference Vietnam and all the, you know, the nonsense that happened in the 60s and 70s in Southeast Asia. But now and, and you know, that is a very real thing. But in the post 9-11 world and the global war on terror, there's just so much more to work with. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's an evergreen concept. Very much so. Yeah, which is tragic. But here we are. Do we want to do like a quick breeze through of the plot or yeah. most people have yeah. most people have seen The Rock or know The Rock, but let's do a quick run through. But I mean, like, you know, I, I, you know, hadn't seen it in like 15, 20 years. And when I was and when I started it up, I was like, man, they spend a lot more time in San Francisco proper than I thought. <laughs> they so. do. There's a lot that happens and there's like a lot of like things that happen until they I think it's an entire act of the movie before they actually get to Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah. Well, before crazy. Stanley Goodspeed and uh, Sean and Connery Mason. get to Alcatraz. Yeah. Not James Bond. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Much gruffer. Much uh, much closer in time to... Well, oh, no. Why can't dude. I think of the name of this movie? Oh, no. Not the dude. Avengers. The other one that ended his career. Uh, uh, uh... The Alan Moore-like Where adaptation. Where he plays Alan Quartermain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Thank you. My God. Yeah, no. Um, well, you do know that he's supposed to be James Bond in this, right? I did not know he's supposed to be James Bond in this. It's, what? It's it's I, I, it might be like kind of apocryphal, but my understanding is that it, at least in some part of development, they were trying to make this a thing where he's James Bond, and that they, you know, that like oh. that microfilm that they that they find at the end is like you know all about James Bond's missions and stuff. And like, you know, this is where James Bond ended up. You know, this is what happened with Sean Connery, James Bond. But of course, the the estate that owns James Bond is like, 
no broccolis absolutely (laughs) they're like like, no we're still making movies with this shut up (laughs) go away and it's the same james bond that isn't multiple bonds it's not a stage (laughs) name it's always the same guy whatever whatever which is it can be bananas anything i I mean i played with a little yeah just but but, i i didn't realize that that makes sense and that's very funny but like just people trying to be too cute yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a little bit of that, but it's also like, oh, yeah, you know how Sean Connery stopped being James Bond? Well, here's it why. He's been in jail for 30 years. Yeah, which would make sense. He committed many crimes. <laughs> he wasn't a good guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically, General Hummel steals, steals missiles, takes Alcatraz hostage. Meanwhile, yeah. Stanley Goodspeed, like, disarms a chemical bomb. At it, at, at uh, FBI headquarters. Yep. And you know, then, with uh, his with his partner, who is no good at his job and is only there for the audience to understand how scary the situation is. And you know what? <laughs> if that was his job, he did a great one. I mean, the bit where they're like, you got to get the atropine and be able to inject it into your heart. And he's like, oh, you want me to do what? I can't put the, you want me to put this giant thing in my heart. And it's like, how did you get the job and go Seriously. into the stupid room if you don't know this? This seems like day one training. Yeah. And then, like, later in the movie, he talks about how he's he's leaving the FBI and he's going to, like, what was he going to do? Like, t- sell antiques or something? I don't know. I, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And Stanley Goodspeed disarms the bomb, does the thing, saves the day, and then goes home, uh, finds out his girlfriend is pregnant, and pr- she proposes to him. Yeah. They have sex, but he gets called away to San Francisco on a yeah. job. Yeah. And Probably just a training exercise. Why don't you come out and join me, honey? Yep. How do they know you're here? It's the FBI. It's the <laughs> FBI. <laughs> and so goes to San Francisco, finds out that it's not a training exercise. It's real. Things are bad. and But they need to figure out a way to get into Alcatraz. So the only way they can figure out how to get into Alcatraz is by talking to the only Arthur person who ever managed cause. to get out. Nobody else has survived. You know, the warden died in 70-something. All the guards are useless. I did like that line. Like, the guards are useless. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know anything. They're all old and retired. <laughs> I mean, in 96, Alcatraz had been closed for 33 years. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like... <laughs> I- I would imagine quite a few of them were like, uh, no, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. And also, I never tried to escape. <laughs> yeah. what I, I knew the path I took. I knew where the bathrooms were. And I knew where we beat the people. I mean, got food. <laughs> I had a job. I was there from nine to five. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I wasn't spelunking at the office. Yeah. In the crazy, like, underground chomper smasher machine. <laughs> yeah. Which Why was does like this exists. <laughs> galaxy Quest. It was yeah. a Galaxy Quest moment. I'm like, what is this? What is this for? Oh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to hear a breakdown of Galaxy Quest, I guess become a Patreon subscriber to Dueling Genre <laughs> and listen to the franchiseography Galaxy Quest cover, which was very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and yeah, like. 
so they get they they get Mason, you know, this British national who's been in like Leavenworth lockup. You know, they they make good speed and him like talk, and you know they end up having to like go to the penthouse and and uh, you know surprise surprise the capable British agent escapes. There's a dramatic chase through San Francisco, and but and it turns out but, by coincidence his daughter lives in San Francisco. Dun dun dun. The his definitely mid twenties daughter who he had during one of his other jailbreaks when yeah. he decided to, after his jailbreak, hang out at a bar and knock up a lady and realize that they didn't have a future together because he got sent back to jail because he didn't leave the country. Well, it didn't, I mean, you say sent back to jail uh, in her version of events. Like mom talked about her mother told her that federal marshals kicked down the door of the room that they were in. So yeah, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They go to break into Alcatraz. There's a whole team, but then there's a standoff between General Hummel's team and then the yeah, good walk speed. right into a trap. Yep. They walk right into a trap. Everyone dies because a brick falls on the ground and everyone's got itchy trigger fingers because military. And the only people well, left. It's a tense situation. Absolutely. Mexican I don't standoff. blame them. Yeah. General Hummel says, you guys got to lay down your weapons. We have the high, we have the high ground, Anakin. <laughs> can't do that general despite the, despite the fact that you should absolutely do that protect your men <laughs> but no uh. and so then it's left so basically none of hummel's men die but goodspeed and mason survive and so then they're like secretly secreting their way around alcatraz and they start disarming missiles yeah until they Getting get the caught chips. and then they escape and then they get caught and then they escape and then they do all the things and then people die. But then they're the winners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I we take done all pleasure the... in gutting you, boy. <laughs> yeah. We don't take, uh, like, we did all the heavy plot, like, stuff in act one. So, like, we yeah, right, we get yeah. all of their motivation. We have it. And now we're going to get to the fun. And then there is the turn at the end where, like, as you had said, the mer- like his uh, the general is like, I bluffed. I'm not going to kill San Francisco. Are you insane? And the others are like, yeah, yeah, we're insane now. We're, we're like I said, the Punisher skulls are everywhere and we're ready yeah. to kill everybody to get our millions of dollars. <laughs> we, our lives are over now because we did this with you. We can't we, just walk away. We're mercenaries we and we mercenaries get paid. We didn't sign up for an honorable bluff. <laughs> yeah. We signed up to kill San Francisco. Well, you promised they, they, us they, killing San Francisco. No, they signed up to get the money. They wanted That's the true. money. They signed up for the money. They didn't necessarily sign up to kill San Francisco, but they signed up knowing that to get the money, they might have to kill San Francisco. And they were fine with that. They were. I mean, these the, the whole purpose and the whole team that he assembled are people who've done horrific military things that the United States denies ever having a part in or existed. Yeah. So presumably these are the people who were willing to do those terrible things. So of course they'd be willing to do this terrible thing as well. Mm. But yeah, either way, uh, everyone wins, no one loses. Or alternatively, everyone loses, no one wins. Yep, 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 yep. Except for Goodspeed and Mason. Because at the end, when uh, Nick Cage is asked, hey, what happened to Mason? Incinerated. He got incinerated. He's gone. Ah, he died. The missile. FBI director Womack wanted to see the body. <laughs> it's turned to ash. Nothing. Can that happen? Can, can, can that happen? Can, yeah, can someone yeah. get incinerated? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah completely. Which is I, what, like. What a stupid like, question. 
Also, Womack goes, is that true? Like, he asks Goodspeed, who said this happened. He said, hey, is it true? Can someone get incinerated? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Instead of, yeah, I just saw it happen to someone. What do you think happens during cremation? Director oh, of the man. FBI? Someone makes a wish, <laughs> and then they get carried off to heaven? Uh, I'm the director of the FBI, and or chief of staff for the president. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> lots of lots of good '90s character actors in here. Oh, Very man. much so. It's a fun cast. Cast. Yeah. But this movie is silly and ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Yeah. But we talked ahead of time a little bit about how the window to remake this movie oh, is rapidly closing. Yeah. So okay. So this is set. In, this is made and set in 1996. And and it takes place in Alcatraz Prison off San Francisco, which is at the time and today a tourist attraction. It's a tourist attraction because it was they a prison. They turned the rock into a tourist attraction? Yeah. Uh, it was a prison operating from like the 20s or 30s up until they closed it in 1963. So the last March prisoners. March 21st, 1963. So there's 33 years there of it just being a tourist. Well, presumably the first couple of years were cleaning it up. But. Now it's a tourist attraction. It's not a prison. So the last inmates were there in 1963, which means if you assume that somebody's incarcerated as an adult at 18, they are at least in their 50s. And for this movie, Sean Connery himself was 66. So he would have been there as a prisoner in his 30s. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, in his, in his early mean, 30s. Before Alcatraz was a prison, it was a holy place for Native Americans. And then the United States took that and said, no, no, we're going to put uh, criminals here. You can't have it anymore, Native Wasn't Americans. Wasn't it also a, a fortress for a little while, like around the Civil War era, like a late 19th century? I think it was yeah, also yeah. a fort, too. Yeah, I think yes, I think a fortress was between prison and um, holy site. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then there was, a, there was a thing that happened. I don't remember when this happened. It might have been like in the 80s. They were basically Native Americans tried to like take Alcatraz back. They're like, you're not using this anymore. This belongs to us. Let us have it. And that was gaining momentum. And then they got joined by a bunch of hippies who completely ruined the movement and took it over and like <laughs> diluted everything down. And it was like, Oh, hippies. Of, yeah. Hippies literally ruined it for native Americans. And it's yeah. deeply tragic, but that's what hippies do. So we have to figure out if we're remaking this in the present, which I do think we should, because the whole issues oh. that they deal with are <sighs> like, the present of military and the military industrial complex screwing over veterans. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's an important thing to, to talk about. Yeah, that is important. And, and, and you do it. on the, on the other hand, you could still set it in the mid nineties and you could sort of inform it with what we know today. What, uh, you know, our, our experiences over the last 20 years and also, better inform it with what happened. You know, there's like a throwaway line about Desert Storm and there's no mention of like, you know, the militia movements in the 90s that gained steam them mm -hmm. and like, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing. You could inform, you could write a piece in 95, 96, whatever, that sort of filled in with that information and, and has that sort of juice in there. That is also but, true. But if you but do no it- no matter what, like, because you, you'd also mentioned maybe you can set it at a different prison, but you kind of can't because it's like, it's Then it's the a different rock. name. Yeah, yeah. Then it's not The Rock. And also, I, 
they're so island prison is a thing it's a it's a pretty consistent part of uh, it's a it's a human invention that we've been doing for thousands of years where it's like if you have yep. people that you you know you need to lock away for a while a good place to put them is on an island they don't have access to the boats on some they, sort of they can't get away island. Or or some sort of Australia or, you know, like there's yeah, – Right. But but there's like – if you go to Wikipedia, there's a whole list of like different countries and their prison islands like Turkey, Russia, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the UK, tons of them. Every, everybody's got a prison island. Yeah. It's not China, like the United Russia. States currently has a prison island. Yes, but nobody's going to shut Cuba. down Rikers. Well – are we still using that one? Yeah, on Guantanamo Bay? Yes, yeah, we are. Still, all right. Well, but we also have another bigger prison island, Rikers. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, that's that one. That one hosts like you know ten thousand people a day and hundred thousand people a year, and has yeah, you know like a huge. A that was a, that's a big one. But this the thing movie, is the thing is there's no other suitable prison island to work yeah. from, and it's called The Rock, and it's like if you change the name, it's not a remake of The Rock anymore. Yeah, so like the guy that I have playing the John Patrick Mason character okay. is uh, he's getting up there in years. He has is to seventy seven. Okay, I um, think. All right. Well, and hmm. the, the reason why I'm sorry, he's seventy six. All right, um, but like the whole but my pitch is he was imprisoned in Alcatraz, mm-hmm. but. We have this whole thing set up where the Mason character has already stolen military and government secrets. There's no reason why one of those secrets can't be the layout and like all of the hidden tunnels of Alcatraz. So that's something that just occurred to me. But basically my pitch was going Mm. to be he was the last person to escape from Alcatraz. Okay. He did it when he was 17 years old. Uh, Okay. I, I I don't know what else we can do, like, other than set it in 1996 or 2005. Because the other thing we could do is we don't have to go back to 1996. If we go back 20 years and set it in 2003, then we have all of the post-9-11 hysteria going on. True. It can be a, a slightly a slightly later period piece. And, yeah, that would be a, it'd be a lot of juice to work with there. Um, when did we fail to find those weapons of mass destruction? Pff. Well, the whole time, but you know. right. Also, yes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> By two thousand three, so you could, yeah, you could set it there, and that would work better. But okay, I, I, we'll you think. I am struggling to think of any seventy-six-year-old who I can, because not just like currently the actor is seventy-six, but maybe they could play younger. In no. terms of like. In terms of 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 just a character, I don't. I, I'm just struggling with a human seventy six year old doing these things. Like retirement age sixty five, sixty six, where Sean Connery was. Like that's a hard cutoff. There's a reason that's the retirement age. It is, but then like, you keep in mind that like some of the actors who are working now. I mean, how old is uh, uh, Patrick Stewart? Patrick. Well, Patrick Stewart's not. Uh, he yeah he's old but i mean are you are you saying patrick stewart no <laughs> patrick stewart is 10 years older yeah he's like he's, he's like he's, he's in his 80s isn't he yeah, yeah um he's getting close to 90 i think he's pretty old yeah he's, he's pretty old the picard show is definitely a i mean they're doing a lot there and and i i 
I don't know. I I'm sorry. He's only 82. 82. Yeah. I apologize. Not to be ageist, but <laughs> but it is but that is something to consider. So like obviously I cast someone with the idea of like honestly I had the idea for the person and then kind of like retrofitted it to be like, "Oh my god, I yeah. need to look up when Alcatraz closed." Yeah, but also, well, like the thing is, like I was I was like doing my cast and casting like thinking in terms of it being set now. And I was like, you know, writing yeah. stuff and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is great. And then I was like, oh, wait a sec. It closed in 63. I did Shit. the same thing. <laughs> I, I literally did exactly the same thing. This is impossible. That's, that's I was like, it's a good thing I cast someone in his 70s or I'd have had to do something else. Yeah. And I'm sure Alcatraz housed a couple of minors uh, that, that must have happened, uh, like 17 oh, year olds. But the thing yeah. is. There is a difference between a 20-something, 30-something stealing government secrets because they were you know, a veteran of a world war or Korea or Vietnam, and they've had training, and they're a flipping spy, and they've had, decade, they've had at least a decade out in the world to experience and grow and learn. But I, the idea of a 17-year-old being imprisoned for stealing government secrets just beggars disbelief. I can't. I can't well, imagine a, a young teenager having access to sort of I just yeah I wasn't anticipating this the Mason character having been in prison since 1963 that would be ridiculous I was like the, the sort of thing I wanted to do was sort of imply jailbreak getting out of Alcatraz big crazy life like es- like escaped United States custody for decades like doing all these different things for British secret service and then service. got recaptured and then got recaptured 15, 20 years ago. Uh, once everything started locking back down again post uh, post nine eleven. As as much as as much as during the World Wars, it was definitely a thing that people would lie about their age and end up getting sent to the front and shot up in a trench. You don't. They did not train miners for special espionage. services espionage it just yeah i mean you would use a minor as a spy yeah. as an agent as a spot like a spy a handler would use a minor when they could but you wouldn't like at, at the operate oss like i'm not implying mason was a spy when he broke out of alcatraz i'm just okay. saying he got sent to alcatraz and as then later became a spy oh okay i all right I, it, look it's a lot of steps when you could get all around all of them by saying, uh, it's 2003. Oh, yeah. okay, great. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and if it's 2003, then my, mm, my first choice. All right. All right, all right. Anyway. Well, so, um, so that, so like, this is the first big hurdle that we need to overcome. When do you want to set this movie? Oh, well, again, like I'd originally been thinking now, realized that that is illogical and doesn't make sense and it won't work. And then as a period piece, I was like, well, 96, because that's when the first one movie is. But I'm like, eh. but you mentioned 2003, like a little after 9-11. That gives us a lot of a lot of juicy material to use in terms of like the global war on terror and like, is it the terrorists? And like, ah, the terrorists are going to get us. Oh, wait, no, it's our own people. And it, there, there's a lot more to, there to work with. Uh, and I, I think that I think that can add layers to the story that would be very useful. I think we can also use that and say, like, if it's 2003, you can say, you've just been given blank checks by the U.S. government. Some of that should go to the veterans instead mm. of going to make more. Yeah. Oh, God. You could directly reference, like, some of the things that have, like, where pallets of cash were sent overseas and just went missing. <laughs> yeah, it, literally exactly that. Yeah, that is uh, that is some You can even have one of the material. people... 
you can even have one of the people who is on like like on Hummel's team be one of the people who accompanied the pallet of cash. Yeah. I saw this get picked up by by you know like uh you know these people that I'm pretty sure are going to be our enemies in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, like I I know what the United States is capable of dishing out and they they'll give it to anyone who's willing to kill their own veterans but they won't give it to their own veterans. Yeah. And like ah. I think that's a place for us to land. It doesn't necessarily need to be strictly 2003, but sometime in the early 2000s, sometime in that yeah. decade. Yeah, and that and, and that way you can still it, it, we that left somebody a little older. Uh, yeah, somebody a little older, and 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 it still works logically, and they're yeah, not I, too old. <laughs> I, I think you are probably right, and I, I think throwing flags on that that particular play is the right thing to do. And obviously, a lot of the things that we're dealing with now, in terms of like the way military veterans are kind of jerked around we can kind of see like where we're going and it's kind of like be like it'll it'll be really bad if this is the way we keep going because it sets a bad precedent and then obviously it is in fact what happens yeah okay so that's time period what so the other thing i think we need to talk about is the fact that hummel gets to the very end and isn't willing to fire the missiles yeah and i don't think that's good enough Really? So we have this whole thing of like, Hummel's not really a bad guy. He's not willing to kill innocent people. But at the end of the day, it's like the missile had been aimed at like a, uh, like a stadium full of people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's a military guy and he's been doing military operations. And like military operations are rarely go in and kill the most people. It's normally, it's normally strategic strikes. Mm-hmm. so it's strategic strikes and you can send missiles and you can like create this panic but it turns out your the missiles are targeting things the united states cares about but won't necessarily result in a lot of casualties mm-hmm. and you could have the people at the end who turn against hell and be like no we need to target the people because that way that's the only thing that the government will respond to is we killing the people right now we're going so- after pg and e or whatever Okay, so right now you so you're you're saying instead of the first missile being targeted at a stadium, you know, a soft target full of civilians, uh, it, that it should be like the the general being like, I'm going to target like the Coast Guard base or something, something like that. It, like I and like that he actually intends to hit it. Uh, I well, a missile goes off and then the and then like and, the, and then he the general it. like d- redirects it in the middle of it being fired, which yeah, you know better than I do. Is that possible? Yes. You can absolutely, like, you can, you can absolutely change like a cruise missile that, that's fired off. You can abort it up to the last moment. Okay. They're smart. They cost a lot of money. And part of the reason they cost a lot of money is that you can change them. <laughs> you know, fair enough. P- part of what I wanted to do is like go full Michael Bay and fucking explode a, like a building or something else or some sort of asset. And it's like, I there were no know. people there. I know there were no people there, but the government will pay attention to that. Okay. We well, just took out. We just so, took out the oil field or something. Mm, mm, well, okay. I the, oh, so like uh, the mechanism, the 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 sort of the MacGuffin, the weapon that they use, the VX gas. I think that's great. Like it's a, <laughs> spoiler alert. It's a real thing. It doesn't exactly oh, work. The, good. Yeah, it doesn't exactly work the way it does in the movie. It doesn't make you like sort of bubble up into a weird melty, you know, the Toxic Avenger kind of thing. But, but you will shit out your spine. 
you won't shit out your spine. That's hyperbole, but you will die. Uh, it, yes. it will like the way it works is like it makes your muscles like just sort of spasm uncontrollably until they get tired and can't anymore. And then the mechanism of death is that you asphyxiate because your diaphragm can't breathe. It, it, it uh, you know, it's, it's ugly and very powerful. Uh, so I think it's a perfect kind of MacGuffin terrorist weapon uh, for them to use. Uh, it wouldn't be effective against uh, a non-populated target. It would do nothing because it just kills people. Sure. Well, that, that's the other thing to consider is do we want them going after the same chemical component? Uh, I mean, I think it's a good, scary weapon. It is. What? But you know better than I do. What are some other good, scary weapons? Well, chemical and bi- uh, it's, it's, uh, biological weapons are no, because that's completely out of control. Like you don't want to use that. Like if it if it gets out, it might not be just San Francisco. You don't want to do that. But a chemical weapon, right. a gas weapon, you know, that's the sort of thing you can really do, like that you could do explode. I think it's easier for them to get their hands on chemical weapons than like a nuclear weapon. Um, no, or sure, biological. But it doesn't necessarily have to be biological or chemical or nuclear. It could also just be really powerful. Well, the thing is, to be really powerful it has to be really big. Like, if you ever, you ever heard of the Moab, the mother of all bombs, like no, the most I've powerful. Not. Well, there's there's a, a really powerful bomb that is not a nuclear weapon, but it hits with a huge amount of force and can destroy stuff. Like, we've only dropped them like twice or something, but it's it's. But the thing is, it's the size of a bus. In order for a bomb to be as powerful as a nuclear weapon. It has to be big because a nuclear weapon packs in like so many tons worth of of TNT. And you think about like, you know, a stink, a stick of TNT and, you know, how much that weighs. And to get tons, you've got to load up pallets and pallets and pallets of it. So anything other than a nuclear weapon to be a really powerful weapon that destroys like a city or a city block is huge. You're not going to be able to steal it with 12 guys. So the chemical weapon is kind of perfect because it's a small package that can kill a lot of people and you can put it on something that's effectively the size of a model rocket. Like, you know, you, you have like this little thing, this little delivery system and you can get the a high number of casualties and they'll have to take you seriously. And if it's a small thing, what's to prevent the government from ad- accepting the 84 hostages that are on Alcatraz and just bombing the island and like needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few kind of thing? I don't know. I mean, you kind of have to, it, it depends on the administration in charge and what sort of decision they're willing to make. And, you know, I'm sort of struggling to think in history of a similar decision having to be made because it's an absurd Hollywood situation that, um, sure. And it's also I don't sort think, of, a, a, I don't think we've well, ever had this. <laughs> that's, that's actually not true. Cause I think this is the sort of thing that happens all the time where they do strategic military strikes that also take out civilians. There are, yeah, there that that does happen, but there's a there's a, a calculus to it, um, and uh, well, there would be a calculus yeah. to this too. Yeah, they might, you know, if that might, and and the thing is, in the movie, they're like, yeah, we know that you don't have we don't have access to the hot enough burning thing to take this out, and it's like, oh, sure, we'll get it, and they they do, you know, the contractors get paid their money to to build the the hard, hotter burning bomb, so yeah, maybe that'll happen, and that's. Why Hummel, uh, like he, he, why he chose this weapon is because he's like, you don't have access to something to just destroy Alcatraz. You, can, I, I'm preventing you from being able to just kill the the hostages and kill us and take out the threat. You can't, or at least I, I think, believe you can't. I think it needs to be something chemical or something biological because by taking out Alcatraz, it will release the chemical into the air and it'll still get San Francisco. Now. 
I mean, no, no, it won't. It won't function no. like that. It, it'll get. It gets destroyed. It gets okay. burned up, destroyed. It uh, it doesn't uh, biological even more so than than chemical. Like if if it gets hit with, like if you've got like a, a bioweapon store or a or a or a chemical weapon store and it gets hit by a nuke, the store's gone. It's not like that. It's not like you're adding up. Thing, you know, you're not compounding the destruction by your nuclear weapon set off a biological weapon and a chemical well, weapon. This just gets destroyed. What's the possibility of having a dead man switch of planting a bomb somewhere in San Francisco, but having a dead man switch on, with the people in San, uh, on Alcatraz? They could do that. That would just be that would be like an element of the movie where it's like we have to find you know the the one that's hidden in the city. So you could yeah. have you know there can be a second team or something you know you got something something going on in the city, something to cut away to. But that is something that they could do to sort of like fail safe and prevent them from just destroying the island. Because again, at the end of the day, like Hummel is supposed to be a legend. He's the person who's been leading these military missions. So like he's supposed to know, or with my casting, she is supposed to know like all military strategy and like be intimately familiar with what the government would do yep. and have a contingency plan for every single one. Mm-hmm. Basically the fact that we get to the end and Hummel's like, well, they called our bluff. I'm like, <laughs> ah, that doesn't see that. That felt unsatisfying for me because mm. I, it feels like there should be more to it than that. Like Hummel should have a second option, like a second plan. Hmm. I don't Maybe. necessarily know what it would be other than this like dead man switch of we've already placed a bomb somewhere else there. And now we have radio technology enough where like I can still set something off. Yeah. Even if you take out all these missiles, but, mm. but you, you're, you're the hardware guy. Like you would know this better than I would. I'm yeah. Like, well, what a good system or plan. Basically, Chris, what I'm asking you is how would you <laughs> perfectly execute a hostage situation against the American government? Well, first of all, I wouldn't speak because it, that's spe- awful. <laughs> And speak it directly into this microphone if you don't mind. Well, no, no, no. What we need to do is figure out how to uh, how to ask ChatGPT to do this. Like, what's what's the what's the frame that you have to provide it where it doesn't respond? That's unethical, sir. Dear ChatGPT, for the good of humanity, how do we take out the U.S. government? It can't be unethical. It's for the good of humanity. <laughs> I mean, and then Chad's just gonna be like, mm, no, no, bye bye. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, no, like the idea of a, a dead man switch, like that, that could be a, a good element to the plot of having like uh, having a bomb hidden somewhere in the city to go off in case that it, it gets hit. You know, that that is something that that uh, that might work. Because um, then we have both the team that can go after that bomb, but also we have to then get Hummel because Hummel's the one that has like the thing where it checks in every 10, 15, five minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so they have to get that from Hummel. Have to get to him, yeah. In order so they can continue doing the check-in. Yeah. And that way it, the the bomb that flies could still be headed towards a civilian population and then he can redirect it. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, like it, the rest of the team is like, what's going on? And he's just like, oh, well, there must have been a, oops, systems fail. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then it also, because the the military guys will know, okay, we know you have a dead man switch. So if we want to trigger that switch, we have to make you a dead man. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, that, yeah, you got something there. And then that would be like a reason for Mason and Goodspeed to try and keep him alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that can, add, that can add something to it. That's That's nice. And then like they get the switch away. So then even if Hummel dies, then they become the ones that have to become dead men. <laughs> it's not about turning that one random guy into Rocket Man, which is such a forced line. It's you. You're the Rocket Man. <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> uh, 
So like something like that. But like yeah. back to my original point of Hummel should be very smart. And if Hummel doesn't want to kill civilians, Hummel should have set it up exactly that way. So it's not going to kill civilians, but it's still going to do like massive damage. So like, again, you would know better than I would. What are your exact targets, Chris? What do you personally, Chris O'Connor, want to go after? Well, geez. The thing is, like, if it's it's something – if you do target sort of like uh, soft infrastructure, if you target like power stations, if you target things that deliver supplies to the city – yeah, you don't necessarily kill somebody when you strike uh, the power system or 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 strike like you know the fuel lines or whatever, but then you end up with thousands of people starving or dying later. It it's right. it, like these things that that threaten the government. You know, it's like it's it's funny to say that the government is different from us. No, it isn't. The government is of by and for the people. The government is made up of people, and the only way to threaten the government is to kill these people. Whatever you do that threatens the government is going to kill people. It. Uh, but I, I mean, basically what I'm getting to is I feel like there's a smarter like there's target no, than a stadium full of people. It's not going to have an EMP. He's not going to like pull a Black Widow and threaten to release their hidden files. I, <laughs> no, especially because the hidden files are currently on the other guy. <laughs> the hidden files are currently on the good guy. Uh, anyway. So hmm. like, so if there isn't an option, we'll stick with what we got. But I was like, I, I fe- that felt like something worth talking about just in terms of like. It is worth talking about. And, you know, as soon as we get the money to put this room together and write it out, you know, we'll solve that problem. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to my guy. <laughs> Our terrorist planner. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what you need for something like this. Like you need yeah. to have. Assemble a, a, a worthwhile threat. Yeah, so basically what made me really start thinking about it is because I was listening to a podcast this week. I was listening to The Dollop talking about PG&E and how truly evil a company they are and about how basically they've been in charge of utilities and maintaining infrastructure for over 100 years and some of the infrastructure that they have has been standing for over 100 years despite it's supposed to be replaced every 40. Yeah. It's just like awful, awful thing. Which is a pretty like, – that's a pretty long – timeline on its own 40 it years like wow <laughs> yeah and like and they keep being like yeah, yeah yeah we'll fix it and then they just don't it's yeah. bad it's like if you want to get absolutely furious it's a two-part episode on the doll of pg and e get ready to get real mad what i was going to say is that like instead of targeting the people you target corporations but corporations are digital now so i don't know how you would do that not so with like, a chemical weapon of, yeah no it's like you can't fire a chemical weapon at enron yeah a chemical weapon is good for nothing but killing people Exactly. Um, so it's like, as much as I want to do something like that and kind of like do a little twist of like turn turn straight up terrorism into uh, like eco terrorism a little bit, but I I don't think there's a way we can make it work. No, no. All right, fine. We'll kill the football fans, <laughs> but not. Sure, but not. Just as you say, for sure, no problem. <laughs> so we're set. Sometime in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Is it the terrorists? (laughs) Well, that's exactly it. It's like, uh, they can't, like, you literally can have someone say the line out loud. If they can't be terrorists, they're white. Well, (laughs) I was thinking of, like, uh, from the War of the Worlds with uh, little Dakota Fanning, like, and Tom Cruise's dad. I'd be like, is it the terrorists? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But I'm like, just, like, really shine a light on a lot of the racism and everything going on at the time. 
I, I do think we need to shine lights on like everything else we've talked about. So what else do we need to talk about in terms of recreating and remaking the rock? What are some, let's take a step back. What are some moments from the original movie that you really want to hold on to? What's important to you and good. What do you need to carry over from the original movie? The seal team. So the seal team needs to, uh, to make the infiltration with good speed and, and, uh, and Mason and get wiped out Uh, 1996 was a great year for this. In addition to the rock, we also got uh, executive decision with Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal, where they like attached to an airplane underneath. And Steven Seagal is like the head of the seal team, except the plane has to disconnect and Steven Seagal dies in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And Kurt Russell, who's just an analyst like Nicolas Cage, <laughs> has to try and save the plane from the terrorists. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you know, that's that's a trope I like. I, I like the idea that uh, we have a SEAL team full of like, you know, Eagle Scout Captain Americas uh, who are just going to get ganked. And then it's up to the old criminal and a dork. Yes, I love that. Perfect. Fully on board. I think we've all already talked about like my opinion about like where the motivations of the, 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 the military on either side are coming from. I, I had considered not having the girlfriend, Carla Pestalozzi in the movie, but I feel like you need her. Like as much as it's shitty to have like a, I'm only do like I, I'm the girlfriend in there to motivate the actions of the hero and the daughter yeah. there to motivate the actions of the hero. <sighs> I feel like you have this opportunity. If you give her something to fucking do i don't know what it is though if there's a bomb in the city and you know the the dead man switch is attached to this bomb in the city that they can't find another team has to go and find the thing and as much as it might be frowned upon to have an inter-office relationship the bioweapons division is separate from the counterterrorism, like hostage rescue team that would actually be performing the search. So conceivably, you could have a situation where you have your dorky Dr. Goodspeed, who is used to messing with bugs and germs and chemicals, and his girlfriend is like the hot hostage rescue team uh, commander uh, who's going to be in SWAT gear and would okay. be going into the city to do like the actual mission. I love that. So yeah. I love that. Here's and he why. Do- and there's a reason for her to go to the city too. That's exactly why. And it's not it's like, like a, a thing where he's like, oh, you should come you with should me, come baby. But oh, no, 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 you shouldn't. And she's like, I'm going to come anyway. But yeah. now it's like, I have to be there too. And so they well, have yeah. to save each other. Well, yeah, it's exactly that of like, Goodspeed goes to San Francisco to go like do the, the mission and the rescue and all these things are happening. And then we find out something's going wrong. And then he finds out that the, the SWAT team and the counter, uh, the counter-terrorist team gets called in to find this other bomb. And then he has this moment and he goes, wait, who's Carl is leading on the that mission? Yeah. Who, who's on the mission? Who's leading the mission? You don't understand. Who's leading the mission? <laughs> and then we cut to Carla in yeah. full military outfit, pointing where people have to go and being completely in charge of the situation. And so now all of a sudden, he's even more motivated because he has to save her because she got called in to save him. Oh, that's so much better. I love that, Chris. That's brilliant. It doesn't necessarily work with my casting, but we'll roll with it. Hey, it works with mine actually better than I intended. Oh, good. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't thinking of this like when I did it, but it like, no, that's way better. Yeah, no, I like yours. That's great. Um, Good. I love that. I think that's incredible. What else do we need from the original movie? Uh, Let's see. Um... I like the mazes underneath Alcatraz. Yeah, like, I that's like some great having stuff. to navigate like 
like the the the, the, the the tunnels, the absolutely nonsense, bonkers. Like, what did they? It wasn't the boiler. Like, what was the 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 siphon in, in the something, or something? For whatever the nonsense, the stuff yeah. that they had to like uh, navigate under there was all great. That doesn't exist. <laughs> but like, literally, that of like, it's it's a prison built on top of a military fortress built upon it, like a, a sacred native American burial ground. Like there's shit hidden in places we don't even know about. Yeah. They could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Um, and they did. There's a mine cart for some reason. It's like suddenly it, it turns into temple of doom. And there's no reason for there to be a mine cart. There was never a mine, but it's great. <laughs> and I fucking love it. Coal shoot. I think it was to move coal like from the from housing to like Fine. a coal plant to burn for fuel for the for that. The that important would, that thing is, is that it was the worst Donkey Kong level. <laughs> I never could nail those jumps. Those fucking it's so jumps. hard because the timing's always got to be off. Yeah. It's always and off. It's, and it's hard to tell like where the because like the little rails go down well, and it's like when am i still on a little it? curvy rail and you miss it and sometimes you <laughs> hit it and, and you and you got it and you feel like you landed at the same place both times and then yeah. you have to go back and do the level again because you didn't yeah. get the k the o the n and the g <laughs> yeah so nonsense under the fortress we have to have yes. that um i love i love the pack of baddies i love like you know for this 19 you know for 96 it was a bunch of like these character actors who have been in you know there are a bunch of that guys where you know yeah. we've seen them we've seen them in so many things and they've been in so much stuff you know like most people you would see it and like i think i'd be surprised if anybody could name more than two of them but everybody's seen all of these guys right. um so my casting for them didn't really make sense because I, I cast a bunch of people we all know uh, <laughs> it wouldn't I, be I mean, these guys I mostly did the same thing. I did that for some of them, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one of my, for one of them, I cast someone who's currently like uh, a guy who like has been in like SEAL team and Quantum Leap and everything. But I cast him specifically because he's an amputee. Mm. And you know, that's ah, a yeah, that, a reason, yeah, a reason to be uh, upset. <laughs> yeah, like if I could have cast more people like that, I would have. But then I'm like, then you're just assembling a oh. an, an adventures, and I'm like, <laughs> with one, we get it. <laughs> but yeah okay cool uh, let's I see think we have a sense of what we want the movie to, like the different pieces that need to be plugged in yeah we've kind of like spouted them out in random order but i think we've kind of talked about do, them. is there anything that we're for, missing for mason did you keep him british yes is he, is, is he still a uh uh in her majesty's secret service <laughs> he is extremely British. If anything, okay. he's more British. More British. <laughs> like, you'll see, he is exceptionally British. I, I I looked at, you gave me like the year of birth and I was like, could it be who I think? Could it, well, all right, well, do, it's do possible. We, uh, we'll get to that. All oh, right. I, that. And that was the other thing of like, obviously I felt like we needed more than two and a half women in this movie. Yeah. So like my general Hummel is going to be a woman. Um, and we can certainly get to that when we do casting, but yeah, uh, I, 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 my major Baxter is a woman, so I didn't, okay. I didn't gender bend too much. Honestly, my, my, like I had my major, my, the person I cast as my major Baxter had been originally my Hummel. And then like, I was like, no. And I flipped them, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that. Tell you what, let's just do casting. All right. Casting. The let's, best part. Yeah. I mean, it's the part that everyone's like excited. Like I want to do plot. Cause like we're writers and whatever, but like, yeah. it's casting. This is the game people play. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, we have to start with Nick Cage, good old Stanley Goodspeed. And Chris, for our first recasting of season six of Ideal Remake, 
who did you have for Stanley oh. Goodspeed? Oh shit, this is a lot of pressure. Um, all right. So at the time in '96, he was 32 or 33. I wanted somebody early 30s who is kind of a goofball. It's kind of weird, like looking back at 1995, 96, and the idea that people thought that Nicolas Cage should be Superman. I'm like, he's not physically intimidating. I don't, like he's tall. He's like six foot or six one or something, but he's not like physically impressive. Like you see him in the movie and it's just like, oh, what a dork. Well, he gets to do the action and he still seems capable. Well, that's exactly it. In this movie, he tries to have it both ways of like, he gets to have this big thing at the beginning where he's like, I'm the big action hero. And then they have him go talk to Mason and everything. He's like, oh, I'm I'm just the nerdy guy. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, well, the winner goes home and sleeps with the prom queen. (laughs) She is the prom queen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Oh, boy. You know, honestly, I hadn't seen it in 20 years. I thought it was going to be worse. That was kind of a cringy line, but Mm -hmm. I was shocked there weren't more. Honestly, that's exactly like a lot of the For a Michael were, Bay film. Yes, it's true. Like I, th- when I was going through and trying to pull quotes for my intro thing, like it took me a while because some of them either didn't work out of context or were cringy. But like mm. in context, they're less cringy. That is a cringy line. But overall, for a Michael Bay film, a-hole! yeah, exactly it. Like that's exactly the thing. Like those things stand. Yeah. Um, but so okay. tell me, who was your thirty-something? So I play Stanley Goodspeed. I don't know this. You might you might kick me for this one. Daniel Radcliffe. Interesting. That's not bad. Yeah, he's he's a he's a little guy. He's done some weird stuff. He's not physically intimidating, but he can be physical. Like he can work out. He can do the motion. He can do the action, and he can play lots of different stuff. Uh, Yeah, I I think he could do it. I I don't disagree. I actually think that's really good casting. It's a similar vein that to what I did, but like, I, I think that's good. We kind of think of him, think of him as being the guy in the glasses for reasons. Yep. And like, that's the kind of nerd that you're like, I don't think he's, he can, you're you're going to, he's going to be talking to the, he's going to be talking to the, you know, special agent in charge and the director of the FBI and moving his glasses up on his nose. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I think that's a good choice. And as long as we're thinking about people who we really familiar wearing glasses, let me tell you about my guy. All right. I mean, most recently I saw him in Death to 2021. Did you know Netflix did a sequel to their Death to 2020 called Death to 2021? Well, I think I, that. I think I watched it. <laughs> I don't. I, I can't think of who this is. I did that but... until a month ago. <laughs> so, like after 2022, I went back and watched Death to 2021. Did they do to 2022? No, and I'm disappointed. Ah, uh, what a shame. Uh, he's also in Midsommar, but that's not really what he's known for. He's known for the Good Place because I <laughs> went with William Jackson Harper. I thought you might. <laughs> yeah i was like i i was like in bed and i was I, like i have to do cheaty i so have to do cheaty i i got hung up on ages and the thing is cheaty's 43 he's like a that little older so i i that, i got hung up on that and that's why i i thought of william jackson harper for a minute and i was like whoa he's older than i am and so I, i'm like no i'm gonna go with the kid <laughs> <laughs> the kid harry the potter kid. harry the potter <laughs> <laughs> the billionaire harry potter yeah, I don't yeah. think he's an actual billionaire. No, he's not like, a billionaire. No. Oh man, I off like I I don't know if I can make a big argument for this because like I'm normally the one who's like, well, because of age, we can't do your guy, and you're doing it to me on my own podcast. 
I have to respect it. And I think age is a really important part of this story. It's like it's very much dependent upon time and when people got out of prison and whose retirement age and is a fossil and, you know, isn't any use to the world anymore. And we've broken him out of prison and he's like, you know, fossilized. And then you have somebody who's in their early 30s who may be, you know, professionally accomplished. But you look at this guy and the way we present the way we present Dr. Goodspeed could be like, you know, he's kind of like you look at him and you're just like, oh, look at this callow youth, as it were. You know, he's, look, he's not- I can't argue with anyone uh, saying that someone my age is a callow youth. So we have to go with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> like you, you out sammed me on my own podcast. I have like, we got to go with your guy then. Daniel All Radcliffe right. it is. One for me. Yeah. So that brings us to John Patrick Mason. Now you said you had okay. a guess as to who I went with. So I will go first, but first- who do you think I'm going with? So, so you gave me the year, and I looked uh-huh. at this. I looked at this guy specifically because of the James Bond connection. I looked at all the James Bonds, and so t- is it Timothy Dalton? It is not. Damn it! Because he's also born in 1946. Oh, is he? Because th- that was the information I gave you. Like I, I told you that my guy was born in 1946, so he'd have been 17. I didn't know Timothy Dalton was also also born in 1946. Because the person I have who was born in 1946 is Charles Dance. Ooh. Ooh. Because, I mean, like, Timothy Dalton does this as as well. But, like, you want someone who can be intimidating and scary no matter what he's wearing. Yeah, he's a threatening old man. And, like, you think about him in Last Action Hero, which came out about the time The Rock came out. Yes. But, like, (laughs) he's also Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. He, He was in a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. Like he's hmm. an intimidating, scary guy, and he's also extremely funny. Yeah. Like I don't know how much of the the British panel shows and everything, but like there's the big fat quiz of the year, and like they'll have Charles Dance sit in like a suit in a well uh, appointed British library yeah. reading a quote from Mandy Moore's biography or autobiography, <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, he's he's pretty good at delivering that sort of stuff. You've seen the the what is it the Ollie G thing where he's like wearing a miniskirt or something? <laughs> yeah, around. like like he is very funny. Like he can he just flips a switch mm-hmm. and he's great. But yeah, that's who I had for my John Patrick Mason. Okay. Who did you have? Well, so I looked at both of the Bonds, the survive. Well, a couple of the surviving Bond, Timothy Dalton being like in his mid seventies and. Pierce Brosnan would have been a good – he was Bond right around the time this came out. He's 69 now, which for me was – I was like, ah, that's a little too old. His nemesis from GoldenEye, Mr. Sean Bean, oh, he's like 64. Man. Sean Bean is even more British because he's actually from England rather than Scotland, and yeah. he's a killer. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. He might not be as funny, but he's a killer. <laughs> he's a killer and he's a killed. <laughs> And he'll get to survive the movie. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I feel like the Sean Bean trope has ended because too it many has, people yeah. know about it. Yeah, yeah. But like, that is a question that everyone would have to ask of like, you get like you get to the end of mission, you're like, of course he died. It's Sean Bean. <laughs> there was no way he was getting out of this alive. My captain, my king. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's tough. Sean Bean is, oh, Sean Bean is good. I... I suppose, you know, it just kind of comes down, like, they're both, like, uh, charismatic and and can be an intimidating presence on screen. 
And there is a certain element of like, you're not going to actually ask a 65 year old to do like a lot of the stunts. They're going to have a stunt double. But at the same time, I kind of want to for- simply ask a 74 year old to do. I kind of want to force them to have some sort of physical competition for the role. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Tell you what. I think both of these guys would work. Let's come back to this and okay. we'll see who has more. Yeah, more, see how they, see how they fit, but mostly just whichever one of us gets more, the okay. other one will get these. All right, all right. Sound sounds fair? good. That sounds fair. That's great. Um, okay, that brings me to General Hummel. I went first for the last one, so I'll have you go first for this one. All right, so for this one, I I was shocked to to realize that Ed Harris was only like 46, 45. I, I saw that too. I was like... No, he was not. So for for one thing, generals are not forty five. Uh, no. <laughs> so I I I believe he was supposed to be playing older, which we can all believe because Ed Harris just has that old face. Uh, he's like yes. a craggly, like stone of a man. Um, he looks the same now as he did then. It's weird. Exactly. Um, now that he's like seventy, whatever. So I I. I, I, I cast somebody right around the same age. Like I, I got a couple options. I'm going to have to make a decision here real quick about which one is what I was going for is somebody who can sort of be grim and have the gravitas and sort of uh, portray that threat. But at the end of the day, like the audience is going to believe they're like, oh, this guy's just too honorable. He won't do it. He's just, oh, he, he his heart's in the right place. He's just making a stupid flipping decision. And that <laughs> is... Oh, Adrian Brody. Interesting choice. Yeah. How old is Adrian Brody? He'll be uh, 51 next year. Ah. Oh, man. I don't see it. The last two things I've seen Adrian Brody in are the pilot of Poker Face and (laughs) um, See How They Run. Okay. And in both, he plays the slimy sleazebag who Uh is dead by the end of it. All right. That's true. And- he, uh, but the thing is, he's got a lot of range. So I'm going to bring up something that nobody else seems to like. Have you ever? Did you see him in Predators? <laughs> he, it's a good movie, and he was good in it in the Arnold Schwarzenegger role. Like wow. he can be a killing machine. Like I can believe Adrian Brody. And the thing is, like, if you an actor who can convincingly be a sleazeball and a comedian and and like you know wrench at your heartstrings can also probably do the part of you know being a stern faced honorable general. And I think Adrian Brody could do it. It was either think, that or David Harbor. I mean, sure. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think it needs to be someone who, like, we as the American people associate with military service. I think it needs to be someone who we've kind of seen in these roles for years. Uh, Yeah, Uh, we haven't seen him do that then. That's true. Yeah. And and if anything, I've also, there's a little bit of she's worked with Nick Cage. So I feel like that's also uh, important as she's going to be in a movie like this. All right. Because she's in Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. She's in A Few Good Men. And she's our G.I. Jane. Oh. Demi Moore. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was in unbearable ma- uh, for, for like a moment at the end. Yeah. No, I know. I don't. I, I don't think she's in for very long. But yeah. I was. Like, I just thought it was funny because it was like Nick Cage connection. Yeah. Uh, but yeah good like, one. Good it's one. Demi Moore. Like she is a few good men. She is GI Jane. True. And, like true. And and that's part of why I initially pitched originally of like showing that she is in fact capable of carrying out like this military thing because we're like oh no she's she's been the good guy we've always seen her as the good guy 
but like then but then mm. she has this edge and we're just like oh okay and she is willing to blow something up like the missile is heading towards the stadium and she diverts it to something else instead so it's still something explodes mm. but not in the way you want okay that's pretty good and and also she has like that that uh like like you said like the sort of you know americans are used to seeing her she's a, a known face to us and it's like yeah. the heroic face it's like here's this person and now she's turned on us what yeah and she is she is 60 years old so she is someone who is general the age, age. Of someone who would be a general, general. yeah yeah actually um, general aged yeah so so that that's why i was like i, I feel like demi moore that's a meaty role and i feel like she'd really go for it all right yeah that's good i like that cool then that means it's my turn to go for major tom baxter who to remind me who this was i wrote ed's friend <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I have General Hummel, Ed Harris, Major Tom Baxter, Ed's friend. David so, Morse, who is another one of those that guy character yeah. actors, which you've seen in a million things, but I can't think of a single one of them. So that was the crazy thing. I was having a conversation about this movie and it was like, oh, yeah, it's this guy. He's been in so many things. I was like, and I know I know him, but I couldn't figure out what I know him yeah. from. And we dug, dug, dug until eventually we're like, the thing I know him from is Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and he's good at it. And he plays crazy. And he plays secret crazy. Mm. And it's good. I like it. Uh, but yeah. So uh, so I'm not as familiar with this particular actor as I am with some of the other actors. But I wanted to go with someone who it has a little bit more gravitas. And like he's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He was in Underground Railroad, but he was also in like Designated Survivor and... Uh, he was in something else that was like, oh my god, he was in this thing. Oh, he was in Peacemaker. So he's a that guy. He he is a that guy. I'm gonna mispronounce his name. Uh, Chukwudi Iwuji. Okay. And in Guardians, is he uh the High Evolutionary? Or yes, he is. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, I got that right. That's right. precisely who he is. Um, right. So yeah, that's who I wanted to go with. Uh, he's in John Wick Chapter Two as Akoni, but like, yeah, he's he yeah. he's a that guy. Yeah, which is kind of what we need. I I didn't. Uh, I really should have done a better job of digging up that guys. Uh, <laughs> well, that's exactly it. That guys are so hard to dig up because they're that guy. <laughs> they're that guy. And it's like the whole purpose of, like the whole thing about that guys is when you see them, you're like, Oh, that guy. But the yeah. whole point is that you have a really hard time thinking of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, it's uh, Judy Greer disease. <laughs> I saw that commercial and I'm just like, no, I recognize you, Judy Greer. I would know and, you on the street. I would know I mean, you. We, I would now, but it's because she wrote a book about being <laughs> Judy Greer. It's like literally like, oh, the entire point of her book is that you all recognize me but don't know my name. And that mm. book came out 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> also, she's Judy fucking Greer. Yeah. Respect yeah. on that name. Yes. Yes, I do. I do respect it. So who do you have to play Ed's uh, friend? For this one, I, I had uh, uh, Katie Sackoff, old Starbuck, and uh, Bo-Katan herself. Ooh. I thought she would be a good major. That's very good. Yeah. But if we don't, I mean, she could be any of them, really. But you know. Well, that's exactly it. Like, anyone we come up with can be, can be one They can of interchange them around, yeah. It's just yeah. sort of like the pack of hyenas. Well, and Basically, like, I only came up with two people I named Bad Marine, uh, but like, like any one of them, one that we say can be one of them. So like yeah. Katie Sackhoff and uh, Chakwadi Awuji, like they will be in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> the but squad. who do we want to be? Major Tom Baxter. 
I would push us towards Chuck Woody Awuji. Sure. And then, okay. and then Katie Sackhoff can be one of the ones that's like, no, we're going to kill these people. I'm a mercenary. Give me the money. Yeah, I would have her be like the crazy guy who gets like the 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 the, the orb shoved in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, the person. That, that, that's Oof. the one for one I would have. Oof. That's <sighs> a shit way to go. It is. It is. Okay. So the next role I have is FBI Director Womack. Okay. I was surprised that that the uh, the uh, the guy who was playing Director Womack was only fifty for this, which I think is a little young for FBI director. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went with uh, Lance Reddick. Oh, I don't know who that is. A uh, guy from crap. Uh, he's been in a lot of things, but uh, you might know him from. Um, he's in John Wick, Fringe, oh, uh... and John Wick. He's the yeah, he's the concierge in John Wick. Oh, um, he's and good. from that, you'll recognize him in a lot of other things. And he, I think he's played like FBI director type. In fact, I think in Fringe, he was the director of the FBI. He might have. What was he in Fringe? Shit. In Fringe. In Fringe, he plays Philip Broyles. I don't know who that is. but Yeah, it Philip doesn't include Broyles. his rank. <laughs> yeah, but he's like in the I, FBI. So He's like, he's in 90 episodes. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember whether he's the director or just like a special, you know, the special agent in charge or whatever. But I feels like he's great. He's he's uh, been promoted to a director of the FBI. In the upcoming TV series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, he will be playing Zeus. There you go. And he's in uh, he's in the uh, the legend of Vox Machina as uh, as Thordak. Oh, he's Thordak. Ah, he's he's the big dragon. Yeah, that was fun. Um, ooh, that's that's really good. We're probably gonna end up doing that. My so I wanted, I mean, West Wing's not a funny show, but like the guy who played it was in West Wing, and so like, yeah. like a little bit of like like comedy, but e- comedy with an edge. Yeah. And so like that's why I was like, I feel like the role, the person for this is Jane Lynch. Hmm. Mm. And I feel like we're gonna go with uh, your guy, but like Jane Lynch, like her, she kind of just plays the same character. Like she does. Glee, Ralph, Party Down. It's just the Jane Lynch character. That's true. And I kind of thought that would be a fun character for FBI director. Could but be. I think, I think Lance Reddick is a better choice. A little more menace. It's, it's a different kind of character. Like, yeah. I feel like if we're, I feel like if we're having, like, even if we'd had William Jackson Harper, but we're having Daniel Radcliffe. If we have Daniel Radcliffe in the good speed thing, I feel like that's going to be enough of a comedic character that we don't need to hide comedy in the other people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, FBI director Womack is supposed to be a villain. He's the skis ball. Yeah. The one who tur- who goes back on his word. Immediately. Like, yeah. like tears up that's the That's a federal thing. document. You can't do that. <laughs> well, well, I did. Anyway, go yep. in there and get the thing we need. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. I think Lance Reddick's the way to go. All right, so the next person I had is Carla Pestalozzi. I feel like we got to change her name. The girlfriend. The girlfriend. When I Carla. cast this, Carla. Agent Pestalozzi. Agent Pestalozzi. <laughs> um, when when I cast this, I wanted to give her something more to do, and again, I always lean on the side of comedy, and I wanted her to be like entertaining, like something else going on. So the person I cast isn't necessarily military, but like is certainly capable or wants to be capable. Like her whole thing is that she's a character who wants to be capable. Or at least that's the character she plays in Abbott Elementary. Ah. I went with Kim, uh Kinta Brunson. Okay. The the star, the short teacher? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Lead. Yeah. A lead. Yes. 
And since she's short and Daniel Radcliffe is short, that's now very funny to me. Yeah. But yeah, like, like I wanted someone who is capable, but has to like take a second, take a breath. Now I'm capable. Mm-hmm. And until then, it's just kind of like a little bit of a wacky comedy. But for a military person, that's not necessarily going to work. So who's our, uh, who's our agent Carla? Uh, I went with uh, Chloe Bennett yeah, from okay, uh, Agents yeah, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. So, you know, she can do that. They can give her a gun. They can and have. <laughs> uh, good. So before I get into our list of that guy, Bad Marines, what other characters did I miss? Uh, special agent in charge Paxton, um, like the uh, the the San Fran- the guy from the San Francisco office. Got it. Mustache. Um, yeah, William Forsyth. He was like forty five. He was like his. He looks older, but he was in his mid forties, which which is kind of like another thing that I felt was important. Like good speeds, like early thirties. This guy's mid forties. Like it doesn't up look in his like career. he's the same age as Ed Harris, and yet they were the same age, roughly. Yeah, weird. So for him, I came up with uh, somebody. Also, like they didn't play it up as much but i think here there'd be the opportunity to sort of like have this disparity between the special agent in charge forsyth you know will be a big sort of intimidating like this is the guy who should be going out into the field and yet is not um and i went with joe manganello <laughs> funny okay so that great. you could just have a moment of like big tall joe manganello being like hello daniel radcliffe <laughs> like you know pat him on the head <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, he's not the the weapons expert or the or the chemical expert. So, nope. like, he's not he, he's not supposed to be going. That's not his job. He, does, he doesn't have the expertise. He doesn't have the training, the skills. Yeah, his job is to manage the 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 the, the, the response center. He's the special exactly. agent in charge. Good, I love it. Okay, great. Uh, and then I have two bad marines. I have I had had a couple of them. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like we should we can use all of them. Yeah, we don't really need so, to worry about their names and who was who, but like you know, Tony Todd was in there. Like, ah, it's so cool, and and uh, I don't you know, know who Doc- Tony Todd is uh, Candyman. Oh, okay, great, Candyman, and then um, like uh, Doctor What's his Doctor Cox from Scrubs. Uh, I mean, that we was, can't that was use so- Doctor Cox from Scrubs. No, 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 they were in there. They originally, oh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 original, yeah. The, the original was Doctor Cox and Candyman. But I'm saying, like, uh, for my bad yeah, marines. No, I know. Like, because well, my big problem was that, like, I potentially wanted to, like, the Dr. Cox actor is, like, so perfect for so many other roles in this. I'm like, but I can't use him. He's in the original. Yeah, it's not appropriate. Like, there was, uh-huh. there was, a there was like, a very small moment at the very beginning when I was thinking about this where I was like, could Nicolas Cage just be the Mason? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Nicolas Cage would want to be the Mason, but no. No, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Yeah. Um, Will we switch everything to the British uh, version of the <laughs> offshore prison? Which they have one. It's just, I don't think it's closed. Great. Um, okay. So my and first it's in Northern Marine, Ireland. Have, of course it is. Uh, so my first bad Marine is the amputee, uh, okay. but his name is Kurt Yeager. He's mm-hmm. on Quantum Leap. He's SEAL team. He's, he's been like one-off episodes here and there, but like he has the look and he, he'd be good. Okay. Who's who's one of your bad bad guys? Uh, Winston Duke. Winston Duke is fucking great. Big and intimidating. Yep. If uh, for uh, audience, if you don't know who that is, he's the leader of the uh, guerrilla tribe. The Jabari, in, the Jabari in Wakanda Jabari. in the Black Panther movies. He's uh, Mbaku. Yeah. Mbaku, very good. And yep. if you're fancy and you've seen Nine Days, he's the lead in that, and it's very good. Wasn't there something else? He was also the lead in a horror movie, right? Like, um, oh was yeah, it I don't us? remember what it was, but yes, it was us, wasn't it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, he, and he's a phenomenal actor. Let's see who else did I have in my uh, murder crew. My, I, my other one is uh, I just pulled someone. It's a guy named Tyler Alvarez. Just a, a handsome young guy. He was in American mm. Vandal. He's in the new blockbuster. He was in Orange is the New Black. That's good. That's good. And then, um, like I, I had a couple of others, but like the the last one I would mention would be like uh, it might be a little too small for him, but like Stephen Yuen, uh, I thought he'd be like a good good baddie. Sure. One role that we didn't cast that, uh, or that you didn't mention that I did cast uh, the SEAL Team Commander. You got to have your SEAL Team Commander, oh, who in sure. the movie was Michael Bean. Uh, who is, you know, a perpetual, like he's also with that guy, but it's also like Michael Bean should have been a big, it's like, you know, you can reimagine the eighties where like maybe Steven Seagal didn't exist or something. And, and <laughs> Michael Bean got to be in more movies. Uh, he, he should have been more of an action star than he ended up being, but, um, better because Steven Seagal is a monster. He's a piece of shit. Um, he's awful. He's really the worst and he keeps getting worse. Actually, go look him it's, up, everybody. You'll, you'll just be amazed. It's ridiculous. Speaking of dollop episodes, but that, that was like a five part episode of just like, he just keeps God. digging. He's the worst. He's the worst. Um, but who did you have for your, for your SEAL team commander? So I, I figured it should be kind of a Michael Bean type, a kind of guy that the audience is going to recognize and be like, oh, this is Kyle Reese. This is, you know, the guy who saved Sarah Connor. This is, this is America's hero, America's sweetheart. I went with Captain America. I think Chris Evans is going to die 30 minutes into this movie. I think if you're casting Chris Evans, you have to make him die 30 minutes into this movie. <laughs> like you're like, oh, okay, here's the hero. Like, and this well, and, and this satisfies this trope for me. Yeah, he shows up 20 minutes into the movie and dies 30 minutes into the movie. So you spend 10 minutes being like, okay, look at right, this Dorito look. chest. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, he, Captain America is going to save the day. Good. All right. Great. <laughs> Well, that's a lot of people for you, so I'm just going to okay. put a star next to Charles Dance. Charles Dance it is. Um, but that brings us to writer and director. I feel pretty good about my writer. I think you might have some complaints about my director. Uh, well, I didn't really. I, so for for writer, I kind of like fell on myself and I was like, oh, the, you know, the people who did Top Gun Maverick, they did a good job. They could do this. It was because I was focusing on the dynamic of like legacy and generational differences. And I was like, you know, maybe that that made sense. And then I kind of like looked them up and I'm like, I I don't know. It's like a team of three. And I'm like, I I don't know which one to pick. So I don't know which one was the actual writer who did the the draft you like. Yeah, I'm not sure. Who just got writer's credit because they wrote the original one 30 years ago. So so my my writer pick, it doesn't exist. (laughs) That's fine. So my writer is not that famous. He's but like he he worked on Chuck. He worked on Legends of Tomorrow, and most recently, he was the writer behind Ambulance, or like, like Ambulance, the the new one, which is supposed to be Michael great. Michael Yeah. I've been meaning like, to see it. It does some cool stuff with drones that I'm really excited about. Right. And like, so the original is a Michael Bay movie. It's the new Michael Bay movie. And so someone who kind of like gets that essence and can kind of write it and work it into the into this new version of The Rock, that felt like kind of the right way to go. All right. that's. I feel good about this writer. All right. Cool. Director, on the other hand, so right. director, I so I wanted someone who was capable of close quarter like action, but also uh-huh. like the big bombastic Michael Bayness of it all. So yeah. like someone who like I don't want to lean full Michael Bay of like Michael Bay explosions, meh. Yeah. But I also wanted like so like he has done just the dramas and everything. Uh-huh. But uh, it's someone who's also good at handling a remake. 
Okay. I went with Ryan Coogler. Okay. I mean, because, hmm. like, he's done Fruitvale Station and everything, but at the end of the day, Creed is a remake, or it's a reboot. Hmm. Yeah. And, like, Black Panther's the big bombastic action movie. That's true. And he's a good director. He does interesting things. He, is. he has conversations. Yeah. And, and he genuinely loves the things that he makes. Okay. As long as he enjoys The Rock, I feel like he'd do a good job making the movie. If he mm-hmm. doesn't like it, we can't have him. And that's basically, mm. at the end of the day, what it, what it comes down to. Well, I, I did come up with somebody for director. Please. I went with uh, David Leach. Or Leach? Leach? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But the guy who directed Atomic Blonde and Deadpool and Bullet Train. Mm. And I just think that he does these kind of action things and he does them well. And, you know, like he can kind of nail like the sort of vibe and, and the action that we would want. I mean, yeah, David Leach. I don't talk about Atomic Blonde all that much, but I really did enjoy Atomic Blonde. It's I think good. It's, it's really and, good. And it has a lot of the vibe that I would want. Yeah, I think I think that's correct. I think you're right. I think we have to do David Leach. Uh, I love it when I get a test right. <laughs> good. Love it. All, all right. right. So that is our cast. So let me run you through. Um, what have we rock. got? What have we done? Stanley Goodspeed is going to be played by Daniel Radcliffe. John so Patrick little. Mason will be Charles Dance. General Hummel will be Demi Moore. Major Tom Baxter will be Shukwundi Uwuji. FBI Director Womack will be Lance Reddick. Carla Pestalozzi will be Chloe Bennett. Our Bad Marines will be Kurt Yeager, Tyler Alvarez, Katie Sackoff, Winston Duke, and Stephen Yuen. Damn. Special Agent Paxton will be Joe Manganello. SEAL Team Commander will be Chris Evans. He's All of this die. will be written by Chris Fedick and directed by David Leach. That is The Rock. I like it. I like it. That's really cool. Oh. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Even if it's not The Rock, I just want to see this movie. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for making me rewatch The Rock and yeah. making this with me. Thanks for making me rewatch this movie. I haven't seen it in so long, and it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, uh, why don't we do a little bit and talk about social medias and things you want people listening to do? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, uh, if you aren't, go ahead and hop onto the Dueling Genre Discord. I don't think you need to be a Patreon supporter to join the Dueling Genre Discord. I'm not you sure not. where the instructions are on how They're to join us, but you should join us. the show notes of this very episode. Hey! Good. Um, and then uh, you can check me out on various podcasts and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. And uh, I've done past episodes of this one and I've been in some other stuff. I've, I've, you know, uh, I think I was recently on Franchiseography with uh, Scott and Nick. That's a great uh, show if you haven't listened to that one. And Talking about uh, yeah. Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Star Trek's good stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you should definitely check out everything on the Dueling Genre Podcast Network. Agreed. If you're interested in finding me, I'm on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. Despite all evidence that I should leave Twitter, I'm open to suggestions on which one to go to next. Nothing's pulled ahead. That's exactly the problem. Yeah. And I don't love social media, so I'm not, I'm always a late adopter because I'm like, I don't want more. Mm. But you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Twitter or mostly on Instagram, which is where it lives. But mostly if you want to get in touch with me. Join the Dueling Genre Discord and we can have conversations about what we got wrong and what movies we should cover next. And I will end this episode the same way I end every episode. Chris, what is your favorite quote from the movie 
The Rock. Let's cut the chit-chat a-hole! And you know it's a good line because it's the line they reference in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. In a deleted scene. God damn it, why did they delete that scene? I don't know! It makes you think, like, how many scenes were deleted that we have to see? How many things did they get Nick Cage to do? (laughs) Ah! That is also a great movie, and you need to see it if you have not. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. Uh, Because I haven't seen it, and I need to. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) All right, Chris. Have a good one. Thank you again so much for doing this. Bye-bye.